0: You're listening to Two Guys on Politics with former Congressman Bill Lipinski and former Chicago City Hall reporter Ray Hanania. Two Guys on Politics examines the perspective of Reagan Democrats. Enjoy the show. I'm Ray Hanania.
1: I'm Bill Lipinski.
0: Uh, Bill, I think uh, in our last podcast we were talking about life under the Blandic administration and uh, you know it, that was a crucial moment though wasn't it for some empowerment for you and for many members of the some of the you know me- members of the city council?
1: Yes there no no question about that and you shouldn't say under the Blandic administration. It never felt like you were under the Blandic administration. We were always uh, thought of as a uh, co-equals in government to the mayor.
0: Wow. That had to be some. When did you realize that? After Mayor Daly's passing and Blandic's appointment? Or did it take a few months of the Blandick administration?
1: I think about what? a week or two after he, yeah. Uh,
0: or, or was that when Tom Donovan called to start pretty much making all the decisions? It should have been the Donovan administration, maybe.
1: He was a smart guy, though, wasn't he? Very smart fellow. Very, very smart. Very hardworking guy. Yeah. It's one it. thing to be smart. It's another thing to be smart and hardworking.
0: Yeah. Although I, I think that uh, not, the only mistake he and many smart uh, officials made was not, you know, believing until the very end that Jane uh, Byrne was going to beat Mike bolandic in that election. What was he in? What was uh, bolandic and uh, Donovan desperate toward the end there. I mean, because everybody was saying that they could see the signs in that election when Jane Byrne was running. Nobody took her seriously. Um, but then a series of obvious, you know, problems, you know, with the snow and the snow removal and all that really uh, crippled him and made him look weak. Was that really the problem, or did he just take it for granted and not do what he needed to do? Do you ever look back at that election?
1: I don't really know what he could have done. Uh, I was talking to Tom Donovan just the other day, and he was saying he remembered calling me three, four days before the election and telling me that they had polled on the southwest side. And Mike was not running anywhere near as strong as they expected him to. And, you know, they had some very strong wards on the southwest side, the 19th, the 18th, the 13th, the 14th, and the 23rd wards. And uh, Tom Donovan was very concerned at that time, and I said, "Well, I, f- I find it hard to believe." I says, "I think he's running pretty well here in the twenty third ward. I don't really think we're going to. Ha- we probably won't carry him as big as we would have if we didn't have this uh, snowfall." But I says, "We'll do all right with him," and we did. Uh, you know, we did carry him in the twenty third ward. In fact, I think we carried him fairly well. Uh, but. Uh, where was this problem,
0: you think, in the African American wards? I mean, some of the African American wards had some pretty good turnout, um, didn't they back then? The Hispanic wards were always really low, but some of the African-American wards had big turnout. Do you think that's where he lost the election?
1: Well, there was a, if you recall, they started to uh in the African American community, they would pick up. And zip downtown, passing up a number of stations along the way. Right. And drop those people off. And then on the way going back, they'd stop at every station. <coughs> Excuse me. Jane Byrd made a big thing about him passing up all of these African American voters uh, because of the great snowfall. And uh, she was also then campaigning and saying, now, don't let this happen to you on election day make sure you vote as early as possible. I remember what
0: you're talking about was when uh, they were dealing with the snow, they were more concerned with the white passengers and zipping them through to get them downtown, even suburban passengers on the CTA, you know, uh, line from the borders of the city into downtown. And that left a lot of African Americans standing at the uh, CTA platforms in these inner city stops, and obviously, I guess I'd be pretty upset too. But after all that uh, the organization did in the city, was there was that a reflection of oh this is dumb we got to get rid of them, or do you think it was a reflection of hey we've never been treated fairly? Were there deeper issues? You think in the African American community oh, that this were, opened deep, up?
1: I think there were deeper issues in the African American community, and I think the snow gave them the opportunity to express that. And they expressed it by voting against their local leaders, their local aldermen, their local ward committeemen, because they didn't believe that those individuals were fighting enough for them uh, when they were in the city council or when they were at ward meetings. I remember there was an alderman who got elected, I think at that time, he was a former police officer. Miles Sherman, but you may remember him. He uh, used to say in the city council, Either cut us in or cut it out. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. Niall
0: Sherman, of course, he yeah. got in trouble years later. But yeah, well, I guess he got cut in too closely. But Niles wasn't a bad guy. I remember he said, wasn't he one was it was he a new alderman at the
1: time? I believe he was. I think he was elected in '79.
0: Yeah, it was it was interesting. So so then Bolandic loses, and of course we've touched on this about the Byrne administration and. You know, how she kind of tried to reform and then ended up being just basically an organization uh, person back with the uh, old ball game. What did Tom, Don- do you remember what Tom Donovan did with uh, Byrne? Did he stick around? Tom, oh, no, he, I think, oh, left, left, right?
1: Yeah. But Dave Landick left. Tom Donovan left. Uh, his very good friend, Dan Rustonkowski, got him a job over at the Board of Trade as the secretary. Right. And within a couple of years, he became president of the Board of Trade. I and remember he did, a, he did a very, very good job over there. Very good job. But as we mentioned earlier, he was very hardworking and he was a very smart guy. Yeah. Perhaps if he had been the mayor after Richard J. Daley, we may have been able to, uh, you know, continue the tradition of the 11th Ward running the city of Chicago. But uh, you know, Tom, I don't think he ever wanted to be a front man. He always preferred to be a man behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, and, uh, dur- and during during uh, he was a little mayor over probably about two years and a few maybe a few months um, after he took over from uh, Richard J. Daly, who died in uh, I think it was December twentieth, seventy six. Was there anything that stood out for you? I mean, when you remember the Blandick administration, is there something when you look at the ward and say, you know, that period I, we got this. Was it just more influence in what was happening in your ward or were there any
1: projects or anything? Midway Airport, for example. He didn't do anything for Midway Airport. Midway Airport really wasn't revitalized until I wound up in Congress and on the Aviation Subcommittee as one Midway started taking off. No, but I think, uh, as I told you, I think in our last podcast, uh, if you had asked me when Richard J. Daly passed away, who would be the last alderman I could see coming Mayor. It'd be Mike Bolandic. Yeah. He just not cut out to be a political leader. He was put in there because he was from the 11th Ward and the powers to be felt that things could continue on with anybody out of the 11th Ward. And it turned out, uh, you know, it, it, it couldn't be done. I think that Mike Belandick uh, was a very nice man.
0: Yes, he was. He was a good, he was
1: a decent yeah. person. And he became a very good judge. And I am happy that uh, he succeeded in that direction. Uh, but as a mayor, you know, I said, you know, it was a mistake in the first place, and it turned out I turned out to be absolutely correct. I'm sure many other people said the same thing, but I mean, you know, I, Jane Byrne, I mean, Jane Byrne wouldn't have won if it hadn't been for the snow. Yeah. That's what put her over. I mean, that snow was incredible. Uh, a number of all of them went down to defeat in that election also because of the snow. I was fortunate in that uh, I did not have an opponent in that election. Right. Four years before when I first ran, I had seven opponents. Right. In 79, I had no opponents.
0: Do you think there would have not saying that you would have lost in that uh, election, uh, in that Blandic election with Jane uh, Byrne and Bolandic going head to head? But he, he, it would have been pretty close, you think, that that yeah. was it a vote against the organization or more against I I think,
1: it was, I think it was more a vote against City Hall than the than the organization. Uh, I mean, I think that I still would have done quite well because we had done an awful lot of work. We had, I think we've talked about all the trees right. that we moved and all the other things that I was involved in. So, uh, you know, no, no one chose to run against me four years after I first time I got elected. So uh, I think I done okay.
0: Well, that had to do with that shift we were talking about of power. There was just, It was a subtle shift, but from a mayor who controlled everything to allowing uh, aldermen and committeemen like yourself to really kind of do a lot of things in your own ward that you might not have been able to do, you know, under daily. Well,
1: I mean, I don't know that you would say uh, we were allowed to do things. I think we uh, initiated doing things more once the legend uh, had gone. If you think back to those days when Daley was mayor, uh, I mean, it really was a dictatorship. Right. And everybody that served in the dictatorship seemed to be perfectly happy to serve in it as long as Richard J. was running the show. And Richard J. had a very, very good personality. Plus, he had a lot of power. And if he asked him for something, and you were a good committeeman, or a good alderman, or a good state senator, state representative, he made sure that you got your reward.
0: And uh, it's not a hard leap to go from Mike Belandick to our President Joe Biden. You know, <laughs> Now, and the reason I say that is because, you know, there was a time when Joe Biden was a cracker. He was on the ball. He was one sharp cookie. And uh, I, you know, uh, even when uh, as vice president, you know, I thought he did pretty well, even though personally I never felt the Obama administration delivered on all the big uh, rhetorically uh, fancy promises. You know, Obama had a way with words, as Harry Golden would say. Absolutely. Absolutely. But in terms of delivering, it really kind of, uh, you know, you got to really look hard to find a few things other than Obamacare, uh, which, you know, is kind of a, in a balance in terms of whether people like it or not. But now we have a mayor who I probably, I mean, a uh, president who, when we look at it, probably needs a Tom Donovan. And I'm not sure he has a Tom Donovan. At least Bolandic had a Tom Donovan to help, keep everything together and i'm worried about you know biden's
1: performance you know well, as president uh, you you want to talk about uh some of his major defeats uh, afghanistan yeah uh, the generals coming out and saying they told him not to pull out they told him to keep 2500 people there and he he denied getting that advice a couple of weeks ago or do you want to talk about uh, the terrible mix up in regards to the uh Virus that's going around uh, you know you're going to get vaccinated you're not going to get vaccinated this is who's going to get vaccinated uh and the mandates he's putting out that are being rebuffed here and there uh we could talk about uh, those two items or we could talk about the border even even Barack Obama was interviewed recently and he was very negative on uh, Joe Biden as far as what he's doing at the border saying that uh You know, unless you control your border, you're not really a country. And in essence, what uh, Brock was saying was we're not controlling our border. Right.
0: And you know what? It's interesting, the rhetoric, um, because Obama was tough on the border. You know, he was there. They talk about how Obama, you know, uh, blocked a lot of immigrants coming into the country and uh, saddled them up along the uh, border to keep them from coming in and, you know, Prevented them from coming in. I mean, it, when Trump came in and said he was going to build a wall, suddenly the issue shifted from the reality of issues like that and really focused on, you know, the president's personality. It went from what Obama did to Trump's mercurial personality, and uh, now Biden comes in playing off of Trump's personality rather than the reality of the problems down in along the border and. Uh, The only thing saving Biden is the media just doesn't seem like they want to, you know, strong criticism that he should answer to. And he's not. Um, He's kind of living off of the media's uh, graciousness. It's almost as if the media is keeping Biden afloat and insulating him from what clearly should be, you know, strong criticism that he should answer to and he's not. Absolutely, As you pointed I, out, I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, as you pointed out, his ha- mishandling of the border, I mean, I saw him on TV this week and they showed uh, border patrol officers on horseback. Yes. Now you have to be on horseback. That's a long property. Um, but then to make it sound like they were out there whipping people and stuff, it's, it's ridiculous. You, you have to, it's almost like you have to close your eyes to the truth and say, I like Obama, uh, Biden, and I'm just going to defend him no matter what the truth is. Uh, but for people like you and me, I mean, honestly, we have nothing against Biden. He's a decent person, has been most of his life. But this mishandling is uh, embarrassing. Afghanistan was a complete embarrassment.
1: And I think, you know, the testimony of the generals yesterday that came out about them giving him advice on keeping 2,500 troops there uh, and him not taking the advice and saying he never got that advice, I'm, I think that's, you know, more uh, of a problem for him. And he's got an awful lot of problems uh, as it is at the present time. And I don't know how they're going to wind up uh, passing the bipartisan uh, infrastructure bill or the $3.5 billion uh, bill. And Lord only knows what might be in there uh I think that the uh, Senator Joe from West Virginia has got him pretty well tied up, and also the Senator from uh, Arizona. Although I had heard that sh- she was weakening somewhat, but uh, Senator just plain old Joe from West Virginia hasn't weakened at all.
0: Yeah, and and of course, this being a midterm election, uh, the White House always loses control most of the time, almost. 90 percent. I think it's always
1: happened. Sometimes it was much closer than anticipated, but I think it's always happened.
0: Yeah, well, definitely the Republicans are going to take control of uh, the House and they and they may really strengthen, uh, build the, and take control of the Senate. That would give them enough to kind of, you know, start causing trouble for Biden. I, several Republicans wanted to impeach Biden. And I forget yeah, and they, I don't I know mean, why
1: they want to impeach him. He's
0: doing a great job for him. Of impeaching himself, uh, he is literally, you know. And it's hard to say because it, the media would not have held back the way, you know, you and I are holding back and criticizing. We're not being harsh. We're trying to be realistic. But had this been Trump, the media would be jumping all over him.
1: The yes, media sir. would have
0: attacked him about Afghanistan. The media would have attacked him about his promise, failed promise on coronavirus, you know, July 1, we'll have this under control. Now we're in the worse. I'm more, as a, a older person, I'm more worried about coronavirus now than I was last year. And then this budget, this infrastructure bill, I mean, it's so significant um, that, uh, that they did an, not an unusual thing this week, uh, week, but they took out certain aspects of the infrastructure spending bill so that they could pass things for, Friends and not drag them into the fight. I think one was Israel got its money for the Iron Dome uh, instead of making them get caught up in the uh, look. But there were other examples just like that of other countries where they lifted these things out and said, hey, we're going to get you out of the way of this train wreck (laughs) because this is a train wreck, isn't it? What would you be saying right now if you were
1: in Congress? Uh, I would be saying that uh, we're going to have a great deal of trouble re electing the House of Representatives. Uh, in the uh, midterm election. And I think we're going to lose the Senate uh, also. So we will then have the Biden government between Joe Biden in the uh, White House and the Republicans controlling the other end of Pennsylvania Avenue, which I happen to think is very good for the country. Uh, I served in Congress when the Democrats ran everything and when the Republicans ran everything. And believe me, it was not good for the citizens of America. When one
0: party controlled everything. Yes. It's always better. And I've heard you say this, that it's always better to have uh, diversity because it forces people to compromise.
1: Right. And and I think, you know, we have to somehow get away from uh, people believing that we have a parliamentary system of government. We don't have a parliamentary system of government. Uh, you know, there is nothing wrong with a person that's a Democrat like uh, senator joe from west virginia opposing things that his president or his party wants to do he's a represent he's represent he's elected by the people from west virginia he is there to represent their interests not represent the party or not represent nancy pelosi or uh schumer you know uh, or Biden, he's there to represent the people who elected him. And I wish more of the House members and the Senate members would remember that, that they are representatives of the people, not representatives of the Democratic Party or the Republican Party.
0: But, it, but as you know, um, the, the divisiveness and polarization in politics, Biden's troubles, it's not going to bridge that polarized gap. <laughs>
1: What it's going to do is
0: empower the right and Trump is just going to be his, you know, his rhetoric is going to ramp up uh, and he's going to make it sound like uh, I told you this is the worst thing. And it, it's going to stay divisive for two more years. What do you think happens in two years when the election comes up? Because that's really what a year, year and a half away, really, when the campaign starts.
1: I don't really know at this stage of the game. Right, I, I just don't know. Uh, I'm afraid that Trump may run again.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I suppose it's possible for him to win. Uh, Maybe. Uh, what I would like to see happen is to really finally get a third party. Uh, and I'd like to see the man that would head the third party would be uh, Joe Manchin, uh, the present senator from West Virginia. I think he'd be a great presidential candidate, but he's a Democrat. The Democrats will never you know, allow him to be their uh, candidate because he's much too middle of the road. Uh, Republicans aren't going to pick him up. So he would have to run, I believe, as a third party. And I think he would have a shot if he did that. But we just have to wait and see. I suppose if Trump got elected again, and the uh, House and the Senate was in the hands of the Democrats, we could survive another four years of Trump. There's a chance that he could oh, win. Absolutely. And uh, But
0: then it sends us spiraling again. Either way, it seems like there's no centrist movement where we bring both sides together. There's nobody out there fighting for that. This Joe Manson uh, that you're talking about sounds like a good guy, but that's probably what hurts him the most, right?
1: I I would think so. Uh,
0: Yeah, the fact that he's too much common sense rather than, you know, uh, partisan political uh, uh, rhetoric. Um, that would uh, fire up, you know, the anger that both sides still have. I, I can't imagine how, uh, how we look to other countries like China and Russia. I mean, I think what's happening to us is empowering the
1: Chinese and the Russians, isn't it? And no, there's no question about it. No question about it. And I don't know if you had the opportunity to hear any of these uh, progressives, uh, any of these uh, friends of AOC. They're getting more and more radical each and every day uh in congress uh it's it's hard for me to believe that uh we have people like that elected to congress representing certain districts in uh in this country it's amazing to me i wanted to
0: look back at this a little bit more on this joe man mansion um out in virginia because uh just looking at his bio real quick he's uh He's serving as a senior U.S. senator from West Virginia. He's held the seat since 2010. He's with he's the He was the 34th governor of West Virginia and uh, even served part of that as uh, the secretary of state. Um, the problem with him is he sounds like, from everything I've read about him, he sounds like a, a really smart person, but nobody in America has had a chance to find out who this guy is.
1: No, that's very true. The news media certainly isn't going to help America find out because they don't want a man that's that uh, uh, much of a centrist and has that much common sense in his president.
0: What do you think is the biggest factor? And then we can bring this to a close, but in in the, in the next uh, is, you know, in the next two years, as we come up to the next presidential election, what do you think is the biggest power in this country? Is it the Republican party, the democratic party, is it corporations? Is it the news media? Is it radicalism? You know, these extremists who they can have five or six people and their voices can be augmented so loud. They look like they represent something, but they don't.
1: It, I think the biggest problem is that the senators and the representatives do not represent their state or their district. Uh, I think that they have uh, been uh, taken over by the leadership of both parties, because the leadership of both parties control so much money that individual representatives are afraid to oppose uh, the leadership for fear that they will get a primary challenge the next time and be outspent so severely that they won't be able to win reelection. Now, when I was there, uh, it was much, apparently it was much easier to be uh, a centrist, much easier to be somewhat of an independent, uh, when I was there, Ray, believe it or not, uh, in state of Illinois, uh, we had four congressmen that were pro-life. Today, there is one pro-life Democrat you know, in the House of Representatives. Uh, when we would vote on the uh, uh, the Hyde you know, Amendment pertaining to no federal money for abortions, right. uh, there would be 80, 85 Democrats that would vote that way. They had a vote on that just recently one democrat voted that way all the other democrats voted against it
0: are there no reagan democrats out there at all anymore do you think
1: nope i don't think well there may be some out in the country but there certainly aren't any in the house of representatives
0: and how do you think you would have fared if you were given um if if you were in the congress today what do you think would be happening to you? I'm just curious. It well, begs they would, the question. They would
1: certainly be coming after me on many, many, uh, uh, issues, you know, failures to support the president, failures to support the leadership of my own party in the house of representatives, my pro-life, uh, position, uh, my many votes that I cast in behalf of, uh, Ronald Reagan's uh, policies to bring down international communism. I could have never lasted out there, uh, uh, underneath these circumstances, uh, I managed to do so uh, because it was a different time, it was a different place. And uh, I also had a very strong political base myself. Uh, You know, I mean, when I ran against Marty Russo, I'm not saying anything against Marty, but, uh, you know, he spent $3.5 million and I spent $350,000. So the money turned out not to be much of a factor because I beat him, I believe, by 18, 19 percentage points.
0: Right. I remember that election. Marty, Marty was a decent guy, but oh, politics is politics. You both got shoved into the same district and uh, he did have the money, but you did have the popularity based on you know what you did for constituents, probably more so than anybody. All right. Well, Bill, I don't know this. I hate to end the program on such a depressing note regarding where we're headed as a country. I mean, it, it is a little depressing, isn't it? That
1: well, yes, it is depressing, but we have to get back. Someday we have to talk about the attack that's going on in this country on the freedom of religion. And I'm not talking about just the Christians or the Jews, but the Muslims, everyone's religion in this country. And this country was founded on a basis of really having strong religious beliefs. George Washington has spoke of it. Thomas Jefferson has spoke of it. John Adams has spoken of it. If, if we lose our freedom of religion in this country, I don't know how this country survives. I really don't. And I think we're being pushed more and more in that direction. And that's a topic I think we should have in the future. I want to be optimistic. I've always been optimistic. But I'm looking for some reasons to be optimistic. And I'm not finding too many.
0: Uh, I, I, that's a great topic, I think, for uh, our next podcast. What do you think? Let's focus on that, or at least start the podcast on that and see it's, what else is in the news mm-hmm. all right it sounds good all right bill listen thank you again and everybody for listening uh we hope you enjoy this i'm ray hanania and
1: i'm bill lipinski
0: you've been listening to two guys on politics with former congressman bill lipinski and former chicago city hall reporter ray hanania the two guys on politics podcast offers opinion commentary on issues in the news on local, regional, and national American politics from the perspective of Reagan Democrats. For more information on their podcast, visit SuburbanChicagoland.com.